If you're tired of bad news, if you need some positivity, if you want to support small businesses, then welcome to Happy Grateful Blessed with Kaysville's own mayor, Tammy Tran. Here, you'll get to see the best of humanity from within Utah's hidden gem, Kaysville City. Every month, you'll discover small businesses, hear unique and incredible stories, and understand the difference you make in this wonderful city. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you'll never miss a chance to find a new business to support and learn what makes a city like this one work as well as it does. So join us as we explore Happy Grateful Blessed with Tammy Tran. Here in Kaysville, like every community, especially in Utah, we have a lot of growth and development. And so to sort of demystify this whole process, I want to introduce the community to Melinda Greenwood, who is our new community development director. She's replaced Lyle Gibson, who went to work for another city. He was here with the city for quite some time. I wanted to just provide Melinda with an opportunity to kind of tell us about community development and how it works here in Kaysville. So, Melinda, please introduce yourself. Thank you, Mayor. Well, I'm really happy to be here with you today, for one. I think it's a great opportunity to uh, help the public kind of understand how things work. Land use is a very complicated topic. Uh, Also, I'm very glad to be here in Kaysville. It's almost been a year. It's been 11 months. So, I still uh, development all things development is very complicated and so it still does feel very new, but I've, I feel like I've come a long way in the last almost year. And you really have. And you're not new to your job. You're not new to your profession. You are just new to Kaysville. New to Kaysville, yes. And I live in Davis County. So uh, before this, I was commuting down to Salt Lake. Very happy to be uh, not making that long commute, although it gives me less time to listen to good podcasts like this one. Um, but a little bit about me. I have a master's degree in public administration, and I've spent the last 20 years working in local government. I've worked, I worked in Arizona for about seven or eight years and then came back to Utah. I worked in Moab for a couple of years. I then moved up to Weber County and worked in Pleasant View. And then, um, like I said, I worked down in Salt Lake City. I worked for Murray. And Kaysville just kind of seems to be the Goldilocks fit for me, I think. It's not too big. It's not too small. It's a really great community with some some good people. And the staff here are amazing. So I'm I'm really, really glad to be here. Well, we think you fit just right here in Kaysville. <laughs> Because you do. You bring the larger city experience. What we really liked, I remember when you were interviewing, was that you had experience with different grant programs that Kaysville is interested in applying for. And, you know, grants are f- really equate to free money for a community. And so we, t- we look for those opportunities whenever we can to be able to use uh, other money to get projects done and to develop here in Kaysville. And you also had the small town experience as well. And so we're really happy to have you. Thanks. You've been really fun to work with. Also, Melinda is our first female department director in Kaysville, in the history of Kaysville. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of neat to be able to to have more women that are professionals and really skilled. Thanks. And well, bring great experience. It, you know, this has been a, a career where it, there is a lot of males opposed to the, the female. Um, that's one thing that I've always tried to... Uh, ensure that when I see younger women coming into the profession that I kind of 
be a good steward of them and help them enmesh into good groups and getting good mentors. So I, it's exciting to be here in Kaysville and, you know, the, um, I, I mean, I, I don't know if I really f- feel much like that's great. I'm the first female department head, but you know, I am here to do a job regardless right. of. And that's why you were chosen. You were the most qualified. You mm-hmm. bubbled up to the top really quickly. And you also happen to be a woman, which I think is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Well, so thank you. You bring all of that. Here in Caseville, I know a lot of people might at first think, boy, nothing happens here. This is such a quiet little place. And it is. It's a wonderful in-between city. It's a little wonderful hometown. But we do have a lot of things happening. So let's talk about that. You had an exciting planning commission meeting last night. We did. And, and I mean, stink, speaking of the first time ever, this is also the first time a mixed-use project has come to the city. Um, there is a proposal to do an 82-unit mixed-use project over on Flint Street, just directly north of the Smiths Marketplace over there. And the developer did a really great job of working with the neighbors over there in the community uh, John Flint's the property owner, and of course, they've been longtime Kaysville uh, citizens. And and as a side note, that's one of the aspects of my job I really enjoy is getting to know the citizens. And John shared some of his history and some of the impacts that his family has had on the community. And just being able to engage with a citizen based on the richness of their com contribution to a community is something that I really enjoy. Um, But because of that, and I think because of who the Flints are, they chose a really good project team. And they, they have done a really good job of engaging with the neighbors over there to determine what their concerns were, to determine what they would like to see in that project. And as they presented their project last night to the Planning Commission, they really presented it in a way, and I think they designed the project in a way that balances the needs of the community. The city wants to see some commercial development. The There isn't a lot of opportunities for people in Kaysville to have uh, nice apartments to live in or townhomes, and they want to bring a product like that and include uh, patio homes as well. Um, they wanted to also, you know, balance the needs of the the Flints and the project that it's got to make sense financially for them to do. And then the, the neighbors that have lived there for quite a period of time and invested a lot of money into their property and their homes. And so they did a good job, I think, of balancing all of those kind of competing needs. And, and in the end, when you want to bring a project forward, whether it's a, a you know, an individual property owner or a large developer, that's really how to get a winning project is to look at those needs, to balance them, to listen to concerns that the community has and try to mitigate those concerns. It's true. I listened to the Planning Commission meeting since I wasn't there in person, and I'm really glad that they're on YouTube. So I appreciate the fact that we can go back and watch those. I What, I realize, what I've been really impressed with during this process is the Flints for the last it's been a couple of years, have been talking about this project. And a couple of years ago, they started reaching out. And And it's not required in order to get development done or to get projects approved, but it's wonderful when a property owner is really invested in the property. I mean, the Flints have been here over 130 years as a family, and that helps. Not everybody will have that sort of 
pioneer ancestry, and that's okay. But they started talking to the neighbors several years ago, saying, okay, we've got this piece of land. We farmed it. We're not going to farm it anymore for multiple reasons, in addition to the fact that it takes a lot of water to farm a big a big piece of land. And so they started talking to the community. They started kind of talking to them about what would you like to see here. And none of that's required, but it's so nice. And I really appreciate the fact that they've taken the time and other developers who also take the time to have those conversations. You know, there's a, that constant balance between, well, why should I care what the neighbors think? It's my property. I should be able to do what I want with it versus... The, like you said, people have made huge financial investments into their properties. Yeah, a lot of times we do hear from the community or neighbors that's, that come in and say, well, my neighbor didn't ask me if they could do this. And, and you know, the answer is they don't have to. Right. Should they? I, I don't know. Is it being a good neighbor if you do? Probably. Uh, and I think that's really what, what the Flints and their project team tried to do is is engage them, balance the concerns. In the end, I think that really made for a pretty smooth meeting last night. They, um, you know, they they even incorporated comments from the design into their project. And not every developer would do that. I think because the Flints do have that long embedded presence in the community, they wanted to make sure that the development that they're bringing forward is right for Kaysville. And that's another thing that you know, spending time working down in Salt Lake County and seeing all of the the huge developments that go on in there, um, and you know the the scale of those developments, um, that's not right for Kaysville, and and that's one thing that you know a, a little bit of well placed density is a good thing. I think um, it's not for every place in the community. The project that they're looking at over there, if they were to rezone just to the RM zone, which is our kind of our townhome zone, they could do 100 units um, over across the whole property. Uh, they're only proposing 82, and, and it's really, I think, a nice Kaysville skilled project. And that's another thing, you know, I had a... Um, individual come in and ask about, well, uh, you know, I'd like to do a five or six story apartment building. And I just said, you better travel south (laughs) down to, down to Salt Lake County, right? Mm -hmm. That doesn't work in Kaysville. And so that's one of the things that's, that's tricky too, because people want to come in and do projects. And um, in the past I've had, you know, community has said things or, or um, residents have come in and said, like, you always pass these these zone changes. And that's not true. But if you have good counter staff, good develop community development staff, what we will help do is weed out the projects that we don't think would be good or that we don't think would have a, a chance of, of being uh, approved. Okay. The last thing you want to do is is waste anyone t- anyone's time. And so if somebody came in and said, hey, here's what I want to do and here's the location and it just didn't make sense because it would be, you know, in the middle of an existing neighborhood you know, that's where we come and say, look, that may not be the best thing to do here. Um, being thoughtful to what the Kaysville residents want, why they move here, why they stay here. It's tricky to balance those things and incorporate those things into development. But we have such a limited amount of land left in Kaysville 
that you really want to take the time to get it right. And I think, again, with this project over on Flint Street, that's what the developer has tried to do. Now, of course, we don't know what will happen when that goes to the city council next month, but um, but those projects that will have the greatest success of, of being passed are the ones that are very thoughtful as they go through the process. You're right about that. And as you mentioned, uh, as a developer might come in with a project and you make recommendations, just so the community knows, it's not just based upon your opinion of what might be good. Tell Let's share the tools that you use to sure. make those recommendations. So I think that's a great a great point to, I mean, as you're talking about demystifying development, one of the things, the greatest tools that we have is what's called a general plan. We adopted the 2022 plan in August. We just amended it last month to meet some state requirements. But that plan is really kind of the first stop point to look and say, hey, does this development or this idea or concept that's coming in, does it make sense? Does it fit within the general plan? The general plan has guiding principles. The general plan has goals and objectives. Does it meet those goals and objectives? Does it fit within the umbrella of those guiding principles? And if the answer is no, usually we can persuade someone to not submit an application. Now, sometimes they do anyway, and by law, if an application is submitted, we have to process it. A lot of times, you know, you hear people in the community say, well, the city built apartments or the city did this development, and that's not the case. True. We don't build apartments. You know, we build public safety facilities. We build parks. a firehouse. or right. Yeah, we build parks. We don't build housing. We don't build apartments. Um, but the developers do. Uh, the next level of tools that we have is our zoning code. And that is really all of the regulations and the laws that say you can do this here or you can't. A lot of times in land use, we talk about uses and and that's essentially what your zoning is. You have a commercial zone. That means you can do commercial uses there. Um, your retail, your you know, office space, your, um, uh, you know, your gyms like Bossa Fitness, that fits within a commercial zone. You have light industrial. That's little... Storage units. Yeah, yeah. And and some, some manufacturing. Buildings. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And then you have your residential. And so we talk about uses and, and that's each of our zones that we have in Kaysville for each of those uses has, you know, several pages of requirements that individuals have to meet if they want to do the, you know, develop their property. And that means everything from setbacks to height limitations. It can mean um, even access points. So there's a lot of, of regulations that go in. And once a zone is in place, if a project comes in and it meets all of those zoning regulations, by law, we have to approve it. Right. And that's what people, I think, sometimes don't understand. In fact, I've heard some comments about there There are a couple of signs up around town saying future home of, of you know, some commercial building, co commercial restaurant. And I've had people say, well, why did you allow that? We don't want that. We don't want that here. Well, the truth is we can't tell... We can't tell a business they can't come here if they fit within that commercial use. And so there's a little bit of... Um, Misunderstanding, I think. Yeah. Where people don't really know what the city truly can say yes or no to. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that because I was I was on a main street, not in Kaysville, but a community, uh, one of the little boutiques a, a few months back. And the shop owner, we just kind of got to visiting and I told her what I do. And she said, oh, so you're the one who decides 
what businesses come into the city. And it's like, no, that's not really how it works. Mm -hmm. You know, the the businesses, I mean, for the most part, it's just kind of a, they there's a building available. They look at it. Does it fit for the zone? Is the use that they they want to have in there, is it allowed? Um, we don't say yes or no if it fits in the zone. Now, if they want to come in and have, um, you know, a, an industrial use in the middle of a residential zone, that's when we say no. Right. But if the zone allows it, we can't say no, you know, we don't like hamburgers, so we don't want this restaurant to come in. Exactly. We prefer exactly. tacos. Right. We don't get a say. Right. Exactly. And and sometimes people don't realize that. They don't understand exactly how yeah. that works. Yeah. So that being this said, it is great to be able to go to community development. So if you're a developer or if you're a business owner or someone that wants to do something with property, get it rezoned. The process is you would go and submit an application. Actually, probably have a conversation first, right? Yep. Don't a lot of people just call you, generally speaking, and yeah, ask they, you? They come in and call, and, and that's where we we just kind of go through that first blush of, is what you want to do allowed? Um, if it's not, you know, how is it something that we could make work? Sometimes there are opportunities for that, and sometimes, unfortunately, we do have to tell people, no, sorry, that just won't work. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the vetting process, and mm-hmm. that is what your department does, mm-hmm. is you, you give it that first blush. And then if someone says, well, I want to do it anyway, they can. If they want, they can submit their application, or they can take your guidance, and they can scale back their plan or change it and alter it to fit in that area. So in Kaysville, we've had a lot of rezone requests. And a rezone request, I'll let you explain it, because you can probably do it better. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think we've had probably about maybe 10 that have come through this year. So a rezone is essentially asking the city to change the allowed uses on the property. So if the property is zoned agricultural and it's vacant farmland, um, somebody wants to rezone that to develop it into residential, then they they do have to go through a process. Um, Again, land use is a very complex Thing. There's case laws. There's you know pages like I mean, pages and pages and pages of mm-hmm. state code. There's Which is city updated code. every session. Yeah, so. changed every time the legislature meets. Um, so it's it's a very complex thing. But generally, rezones are considered what's called a legislative decision. So what that means is that the city council, who in Kaysville is the land use authority for a rezone. They have full discretion as to whether or not they would approve or not approve a rezone. Um, you know, that could be anything from this is not the right place for that or, you know, residents um, just don't want that change and they can come out and and if the council agrees with them, then that rezone may not pass. But the process for that is somebody would submit an application. We would take the time to write a staff report. We review the general plan. Does this fit in with the general plan? The general plan also has a future land use map, which was kind of our best guess of how we think properties will develop. Does it fit within the future land use map? If not, then we look at those goals and objectives in each of the chapters to see if there's enough evidence to support Mm -hmm. taking that application forward with a recommendation of approval. Um, The planning commission hears that application. There's what's called a recommending body for rezones. 
They don't have the legislative authority to approve a, a legislative action. They will listen to that. They will have a discussion, and then they'll send a recommendation to the city council. They can recommend approval. They can recommend a, a denial of the project. And then we take that feedback from the planning commission, write another staff report, and take that to the city council and then just present, like, here's what happened at the planning commission meeting. We had these citizens that come in, came into the public hearing, and these were the comments that they had. And then we let the council have their discussion and dialogue, and they make a decision on whether or not they feel like that rezone is the right thing for the community. Right. And so the planning commission plays a really vital role in a community because they they make that recommendation, which the city council does consider. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that's our job as a council to consider what they've reviewed. Um, sometimes it doesn't, just because the planning commission recommends something doesn't mean the city council approves it. And that's okay. And it's separated for a reason. So the city council members don't call the planning commissioners and tell them how they should vote. They don't call the planning commissioners and share their opinions. They let planning do the job. And planning is supposed to refer to the general plan and mm -hmm. look at, and, and their job is yep. planners, basically. That's, mm -hmm. that's their job. And so oftentimes, not oftentimes, but sometimes our, we're not in agreement in how we how we view a project. And I think that that's been confusing for people because they'll say, well, planning commission thought it was great and it comes to council and it, and it doesn't get approved for many, many reasons. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes council members have a little bit more insight to the area or they have a little bit more background information on the project. Sometimes they know things that are coming up that might affect the project. And sometimes they've just really, um, the, the residents who are opposing it have done a really good job mm -hmm. in approaching the council members and, and providing really good data or really good arguments as to why something shouldn't get approved. Yeah, and I think that's a, a good distinction to make that the the job of the planning commission really is to be very pragmatic and to... They check to, boxes. Correct. They they look at things, does this, does this check the boxes? Does this fit? Um, they are designed to not be a political body. They are designed to be, uh, you know, several steps away from that. And then they can make a recommendation in theory without the encumbered, um, the encumbrance of what the comes with being a, a, an elected official. Correct. Exactly. And so then it comes to the the elected body, the city council members who make the decision. And um, and also we should note that the public, that the mayor doesn't vote on, on these things. Um, the mayor has a vote in case of a tie. Right. Um, there's a few other things that the mayor may vote on, but most often the mayor doesn't have a vote. It's the city council members. And they are beholden to the public. They mm. they are voted in. And so whereas the planning commission may look at something and and just kind of see more of the factual basis, it is a lot more likely that your city council members will factor in things that the planning commission may not. And oftentimes, as you said, what that is, is it is it's the the neighborhood's voice and what they come in and Say we had earlier this year, we had a neighborhood who submitted, um, you know, petition that had over 200 signatures on it, and the planning commission made a recommendation of approval on this project. I thought it would have been a really great project, but the city council voted against that and denied it. So it was it was one where the planning commission said we think this is a good idea, and the city council said, "Sorry, we don't agree. We denied it." Um, right. And and it it was a little 
controversial, but at the end of the day, I felt like, you know what? The council heard their citizens. Mm -hmm. They voted the way the citizens wanted them to. And it wasn't just a couple. It was quite a few. few. And that's how this whole process really is designed to work, that sometimes the landowners get what they want and sometimes they don't. Sometimes the public gets what they want. And that's kind of the beauty of of how this all works. And, um, you know, part of the reason why why I like this, I mean, I, I feel like my role is to present the information, the facts, and the data, not necessarily argue for or against a project. Although I do have some professional insight that, mm-hmm. you know, this location makes sense because of this, um, those type of things that I, that I think add value to uh, a recommendation. But in the end, you know what, it's not, it's not my say, it's not my project, it's not, it's not anything that I can approve or not approve. And so having, having it go through the project or that process and see, you know, citizens come in, they have an opportunity to speak their their voice and have that be heard. And, and then, you know, in the end, the council makes a decision. And it's a really kind of cool process to see from start to finish. It is an interesting process, isn't it? I've served on Planning Commission, which was really interesting and fun. It helped me understand land use a lot, went to a lot of trainings that are offered. And it's a nice place to be because, like you said, you can make a decision, a recommendation as a planner based upon the information that you have. And it's not based on, an, it's not as, as emotional of a decision. Now, there are council members that argue that their decisions are not emotional either. I think that we try to be very logical in the decisions that we make, but there is emotion as well. Because when we have a room full of people who are organized and they have a petition, for example, signed, and there are 200 people who say, no, we don't like this project for all of these reasons, it's really difficult for a council member to, to completely ignore that because yeah. that's good information. Yeah. Now, when someone comes up to the podium and they want to speak to a council and they say, well, people are probably going to die and it's probably going to be dangerous, that's not information that we really should be using to base a decision on. We need to rely on facts, on data, but oftentimes that is also compelling mm-hmm. and, it, and it really shouldn't be. So that's, that's the really hard position to be in, I think, as a council member. And now as a mayor, I have a completely different role because like you said, I don't get to vote. So all I can do is make recommendations and, and, and try to provide the information kind of like a staff member and just say, okay, yeah. this, is, this is my recommendation. This is what I think. But at the end of the day, the council will choose unless there's a tie and I get to break the tie. Yeah. And I haven't done that yet. Yeah. Because we have really involved council members who are there. Yeah, and that usually really happens if you have a council member who's not the, there and they're on vacation or right. something and some, something splits out. But, um, yeah, that's... that's. But the process is really wonderful. And it's it been is. really interesting to be part of the process. And so I guess our advice for you and the, the reason that we wanted to provide you with this podcast as the community is just to kind of give some insights into how the process works. It's not a matter of you just decide you want to build townhomes and then you go to the city and you say, this is a property and this is what I want to do. And everyone says, okay, sounds great. Let's go for it. Especially in a community like ours, where we are more of, we, we have, we're a single family community in general. That's mm-hmm. kind of the way Caseville was designed to be. Not that we can't have diversity. We are, we're required by state law to have diversity in our housing options. And as a community, we want to be able to provide housing for the the college student who just graduated and and our parents mm-hmm. who also lived and want to stay in Kaysville but maybe don't want a big yard to take care of and that's why patio homes are such a great 
great um, option for people. So yeah. townhomes are a good option too. You know, I thought I thought a lot as I prepared the staff report for the the Flint Street project that we had on the Planning Commission meeting agenda last night. I thought a lot about kind of my my life and how how I've had to select housing choices and. Um, you know, I didn't get married until I was 37. So I, as a, a, a working professional, I had a hard time finding places that would work for me. Um, you know, single, single income. Um, I wanted to be in a place that was safe, that was nice, that, um, you know, that, that would work for me. And, and, a lot of those options honestly just aren't available in Kaysville. And so to have, you know, some well-placed apartments, to have some nice new apartments, um, somebody that's a, a young, you know, young either in their career, a younger married couple, or maybe both of them are, are working, I think that's a great opportunity to have that type of housing in, in Kaysville. And, um, you know, my mom passed away just about a year ago. And one of the things the last few years, we were so grateful. We moved her out of my childhood home, which was a half acre. It had stairs. We moved her into a condo. The walks were shoveled. We didn't have to worry about anything. And to have that transitional housing, too, where there's some opportunities for people to stay in Kaysville. So um, you know, my mom my mom moved about an hour, for, or not an hour, an, uh, a mile from her home and was able to stay in the community, in community that she had been so nice. in for, you know, 50 years. So it's nice. Um, it's nice to see that there's a little bit more openness to providing some of those opportunities. Well, and like you said, you mentioned several times in the right area. Yep. And and there are some areas in Kaysville that I do believe are right for these types of projects. Um, and, and it's really nice to be able to offer them there are people who have born, who were born here, raised here, the generational families who want to, to die here, mm-hmm. and they don't want to have a big yard, and there really aren't options and places for them to live. And so, I do hope that as a community, even though it'll be a little different for us, it's not used, it, it's not going to be something we're used to seeing. Mm-hmm. But I hope that we are more open. And when we talk about it generally, I think we are very open to things. Mm-hmm. We just don't want these things built next to us. Sure. And and there is that nibby sort of mentality which I understand, and I think we need to be very sensitive to. But at the same time, some of these projects are really good yeah. for our community, and I hope that they do get approved and go forward. And and I thank you, Mayor, for having me. I do also want to say to anyone out there in the community, if you have questions, please come talk to us. Um, there were a couple of comments that were made last night in the in the public hearing where I don't know where individuals had received their information, but it was not anywhere near accurate. And so come and talk to us. We have the facts, we have the data, and we're always more than willing to spend time and help you understand a project, help you understand maybe some of the things that you could do with your own property or even some of the things that you can't do. Um, My department also oversees the business licensing in Kaysville. We have about a thousand businesses we license each year. And then um, I oversee also the building permits and the building inspections. So we really can kind of take you through that entire process. Like if you're from the ground up building, at your building, you know, your zoning entitlements, you get your building permit, and then we are the same department that'll help you get your business license. So but we're, our, our staff are great. 
We're really here great. to help answer questions um, for the community, the citizens, the developers that may want to come here or people that might want to move here too. Melinda, thank you for that. Appreciate your department, everything that you guys do. And for the public that is listening, please reach out to us too as council members. You know, I'm happy to sit down with you. Our other council members are also very willing to sit down with you, answer your questions. And then my last plug is just be involved. Show up to meetings. Mm -hmm. If you're interested at all, we have an opening right now on our planning commission. If you're at all interested in land use and what Kaysville will look like in the future, please apply to be a planning commissioner. You don't have to have planning and zoning experience. You can learn it. There are lots of trainings, but we need people who are going to be engaged and who really do care. Yeah. And I think a lot of us fall into that category. It's just taking that next step to really sign up and get involved. So mm-hmm. we hope that you'll come out. Yep. Those planning commission applications are open until next Friday, December 16th. So, and if and if somebody has any questions about that too, give us a call. We can tell you what it entails and um, yeah, we're, we're always happy to talk with our, our residents. We are. Thank you for listening. Thanks, Thanks Moira. To all my podcast listeners, thank you for listening. I really appreciate your feedback and your support. Please leave comments and please leave suggestions for future guests. And most importantly, subscribe. Thank you.